1: NBA. This is a HoopBall presentation, so check out HoopBall on Twitter at Hoopball, tweets Online, Hoop-Ball.com. Uh, we've had this guest on before, one of my favorite guests here. Uh, I wish it was under better circumstances, but we are here for a state conversation for that. I'm bringing on the expert, Ron Gooderman. You can find him on Twitter at, I hope I said that right, yeah, Ron Gooderman. Ron Goodman, twenty four, R O N G uh, U T T E R M A N, staff writer for Lakers Nation. Does a whole bunch uh, in addition to that. I think he's Angels Nation as well. Um, fellow sports business classroom alum. You guys have heard this guy before. Uh, Ron, how you doing, man?
0: I'm doing all right. Yeah, it's uh, you, you said it, but I I wish we were here under uh, better circumstances talking about you know this elite Lakers team that's running through the NBA, but it does not appear to be that way so far. <laughs>
1: It really doesn't. And you're right. It's, it's disappointing. I mean, I, I I definitely expect them to be where they are right now, which is currently seventh in the West at seven and six uh, got shell shacked by Minnesota uh, just two days ago from where we're recording this 83 to um, one Oh seven to 83. Uh, they're lost to Minnesota as recording this. They're going to play uh, again here in a short period of time against the Spurs. So we'll see how that rolls. But the Lakers have just been, Not very good injuries, I think, is the name of of the game here for them, but also just lackluster, uninspired play um, juxtaposed against some really gutsy performances against all odds. And you just don't know what team you're going to get on any any given night. Uh, The Lakers currently are 24th in offensive rating, 13th in defensive rating, 22nd in net rating. And, and Ron, I just – I mean, as someone who, you know, covers the team in depth, what do you think about where they are now – compared to, like, what our expectation was going in. And this is even, yes, with the injuries.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, injuries are obviously a part of what's happening. But if you look at the teams they've played, I mean, it, you know, two losses to OKC, the loss to Minnesota. Uh, Houston was able to keep things really close twice. Like, it you said it perfectly, like, you have no idea what team you're going to get on a night-to-night basis. And, you know, a lot of times we see teams that, play up or down to their competition. Like they play really good against good teams and really bad against bad teams. The Lakers, they just play random levels of good against random teams. And it's (laughs) super frustrating to watch as a fan. And as someone who covers the team, like, but I've seen moments, but yeah, it's just been, you have no idea what team you're getting on a game to game basis.
1: You really don't. And, um, Anthony Davis did rip the Lakers after their most recent loss, uh, saying that they're not playing. They're not going to win a championship the way they're playing, which is, you know, shout to Anthony Davis for the understatement of the century, but also like (laughs) saying that the big picture, like long-term they're not really looking, they're not focused on that, that they're losing games. The way they're losing is because of their, their, their frustration and lack of having that long term goal of also, okay, we're trying to be at XYZ a deep playoff run, but we're also trying to win winnable games because you can't really do one without the other. And so I it's gonna be weird. I wanna jump into this, but the way I want to do it is split basically offense and defense and having you kind of Share what you've liked so far about the Lakers' offense, what you haven't. Same with their defense, and then kind of, I guess, resetting expectations because I definitely was thinking, you know, they're gonna roll to the top of the East. I thought, it, I mean, top of the West. There we go. I'm making my own, uh, d- my own uh, predictions here. I figured that it would be a little bit of a rough uh, ride to start with because this is a brand new team. You're bringing back what three returning players. You know, um, the rest is essentially a whole different roster. You're bringing in a major um square peg for a round hole and russell westbrook as talented as he is i figured yes it would take a lot to kind of get all these team all these pieces to gel together um and just rolling the way they want to be injuries of course being an additional uh i guess you could say obstruction to that goal however i mean with the town on the floor yes lebron james missed exactly half of their game so far uh a little over half now i think he's missed uh he's played only six of their games so far but like Russell Westbrook still being himself. Anthony Davis has been kinda of banged up, but still being there. Carmelo Anthony's been great. I I I just well, at home. I guess I well, let's start with the offense before I start meandering on. But like what have you kind of looked at and noticed um from the way the Lakers have operated on the offensive end that you've liked and, and disliked, Ron?
0: Yeah, what I what I like about their offense and and their offensive rating is is pretty low right now just because uh because of that game against Minnesota where they put up only 83 points like Man. they've they've had individual really bad games but overall this offense to me it, the negative to it is that it feels like it's way too much isolation right it feels like it's Russell Westbrook you take a turn okay now it's Anthony Davis's turn now it's Carmelo Anthony's turn now it's LeBron's turn like they just take turns playing iso ball which is never good it's what the Houston Rockets did with James Harden for a while like You never want that to be your game plan. Um, But then there's also been times of really great ball movement. Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis seem to have pretty good chemistry. That's one thing I like. Um, Carmelo Anthony, I I would love him to be more consistent. But, I mean, it's great that you're getting these 25-point performances out of him. I'd almost rather see, like, 13 points every game rather than 25 followed by zero. Like, I, I want somewhere in the middle every game. Um, so I, I think what I'm looking for is just more consistency out of them. I, I think it's just a lot of they have no idea what they're doing or who they are. And I know that it's still a new team and they're trying to figure this out, but it feels like when I'm watching them, they have no idea what they're trying to do offensively, and they're just saying, We're gonna out talent the defense. And it's worked in some games and it's not worked in other games. And so that's why it needs to be a consistent game plan that you go to. And I think that game plan needs to be ball in Russell Westbrook's hands, pick and roll, kick out to the open shooters. Like, it's it's a pretty simple game plan, but it feels like they're not even executing that right now.
1: It really does. I'm glad you point out the the consistency issue, uh, specifically with, with uh, Anthony Davis, who, uh, I mean, technically is, if you discount, LeBron's technically leading the team in scoring, but again, out of the 13 games, AD is. Um, and I just feel like, I guess my like like you said, I'd rather him be consistent in his points and be that guy, or be a a steady supporting piece. You know, because right now you're not really getting like you said, you're getting like a mix of that. Like I like what the rookie's done around the glass. Um, you know, just in general. Um, I like the fact that asserting himself dominantly like around the basket when his jumper hasn't been falling. Uh, again, he's shooting. What 14% from three on two attempts tonight? Just sub 50% overall. Um, well, 54% from two. Like it's it's been kind of an up and down uh, shooting season for Anthony Davis so far through the early going. But like you said, with Russell Westbrook and I guess his fit there. Uh, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I just don't know if the AD Russell Westbrook minutes without LeBron have been like exceptionally well.
0: Well, so here's here's kind of the issue, and this is where injuries kind of start to tie back in. If you look at Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis, when they're on the court, um, the net rating, uh, you know, all the all the stat websites, the net rating is negative. But if you take out Rajon Rondo and DeAndre Jordan from those minutes, all of a sudden it's like a plus six or something like that. So Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis work. The problem is because of all their injuries, they can. Frank Vogel has to continue pairing Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis with guys like Rondo and DeAndre Jordan that don't work and are not playing well. That's, okay. that's kind of the issue I'm seeing. Like if you have Kendrick Nunn in there, you never have to play Rajon Rondo ever again, which would be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> if you have like, if Trevor Ariza is healthy, you can start Anthony Davis at the five and you don't have to start DeAndre Jordan, which would again be really cool. Uh, so like, It's 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 not so much about Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis, just the two of them. It's who has to play alongside them because of the lack of options.
1: Okay, got you. So it's what's what's presented to them. That is really the issue.
0: Yeah. And and it's and it's tough because you you see the good things that they're doing together. And obviously there's inconsistency issues, as there always are, you know, when you're trying to put together a brand new team. But you, you see the good stuff that they do and you're like, why can't like. It would be awesome if they could do this exact thing, but they don't have to deal with Rajon Rondo or DeAndre Jordan who really aren't defending well, aren't scoring well, aren't distributing well. Like, n- neither of them are doing the things that they were brought in to do at a pretty consistent rate. So it, it hurts the good players who are doing good things on a nightly basis.
1: And that's another thing I, guess I have to ask about because you're right. That doesn't make a lot of sense Like in terms of, uh, again, expectations of these guys that are playing not maybe looking at Rondo for having to play as many minutes as he has played. You know, but then again, I didn't think we'd see a whole lot of Austin Reeves, and that's actually been a pleasant surprise um, in terms of him stepping up to the occasion. But yeah, we have guys going down, Wayne Ellington still finding his way, Willie Monk as well, um, relying a a lot on Carmelo Anthony playing just under 30 minutes a night. Like, some guys are definitely showing up to their roles um, in terms of playing up to their expectations. Some are exceeding that. I think Carmelo, I didn't expect this level of production, period. You know, I thought really solid guy who did about, you know, between 10 and 15 points a game, spot up for some threes. I didn't expect this, like, atomic three points. He did slow down a lot in their last game, but all the Lakers did against Minnesota. And again, away from home, he's been totally different, too, in terms of the shooting splits. But you do have these, you know, DeAndre Jordan minutes and these Raja Arnold minutes. Like you said, you kind of point them out where it, it just doesn't work, and how much of that, I guess, do you look at in terms of these are the guys available to Frank Vogel? And how much of that is Frank Vogel just forcing the issue playing lineups that don't work? Like, I will lose my mind if I see another Russell Westbrook, um, Rajon Rondo lineup. And the sad thing is, like, more often than not, I can pretty much bet I will.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It, this is where it's tough because Frank Vogel's been kind of on the, the public, the social media hot seat mm-hmm. after the Minnesota loss. Like, that was a, he was a very big topic of conversation and it's hard because on one hand, Frank Vogel in his three years with the Lakers, like he's been known to experiment when we already know the experiment failed. Um, yes. <laughs> like, he loves to do that. He loves to throw out a lineup that we figured out three weeks ago didn't work. But at the same time, he doesn't have Kendrick Nunn. He doesn't he doesn't have his backup. So he's he's essentially going, I have most of my starters and then I have my third stringers. And that's Avery Bradley, Rajon Rondo, DeAndre Jordan, like, I don't have my, my second string guys, my Austin Reeves, my Trevor Reza, my Kendrick Nunn. I don't have those guys. And so when I don't, when I'm not playing my starting lineup or my, my best lineup, I essentially have to play these horrible lineups because I only have first and third stringers. So that's, that's kind of the dilemma he's in. Um, so some of this is his, is is on him. Yes, he's to blame for continuing to play Rondo and Russ when you just know that doesn't work. But also I feel for him a little bit because he's just in – he's in a really tough situation where this team is trying to figure out who they are and they don't have the players that they planned on having. So it's it's just really tough.
1: Exactly, I get what you mean. Exactly. I guess I'm going to ask that same question with a different twist when it applies to that big man lineup alongside the starting of – DeAndre Jordan, who I think we've all seen is one of those guys who will give you, like, one effort per possession, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and after that, like, that's his stop, you know, he will go up there, and he will, you know, go up for a lop, or he will make a good a rotation on defense, talk about it in a second, or do something of that ilk. and then when that's it, when that's it, that's all he has, like, okay, you, you saw what he has to offer, and I feel yeah. like, is that worth having him in the starting lineup? I don't think so, but I want to get your take on that.
0: Yeah. You know, the thing is uh, Vogel and the Lakers really like Dwight in that second unit. They like the energy Dwight brings to the second unit. So when you think about who you're starting at center, given the players they currently have, they're without LeBron, Ariza, Reeves, and none. So you take whoever they have left. If you start Anthony Davis at the five and Russell Westbrook at the one, your options for who you're starting at three and four is is very slim. I mean, we're talking we're talking Kent Bazemore starting at like three and Carmelo Anthony starting at four. Like you're looking at a very, very interesting starting lineup that doesn't really work. So if you're Frank Vogel, you're saying, hey, look, when we get these guys back, DeAndre Jordan's never starting at the five ever again. We're done with that. <laughs> but right now. I don't have another player to turn to, right? Like if, if DeAndre Jordan doesn't start and you like Dwight in the second unit, so you start AD at the five, who, who are you starting at two through four? It's just, it's such a, yeah. it doesn't work defensively. And frankly, it doesn't really work offensively either. So I, I, I feel his pain. I feel the dilemma he's in, but also that doesn't make up for some of the inexcusable stuff like continuing to play Russ next to Rondo.
1: You know, that's an excellent point. I'm glad you brought that out um, in terms of him being kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, but maybe not making the most of that uh, of that rock there. Uh, and I guess that's my next question on the offensive end. Um, actually, we'll save Volvo for the last little bit here. I want to talk about Carmelo. And, I mean, he has been – I'm not going to lie. I love Carmelo in the Sable Center. Like, when I see him go and hear the crowd reaction when he checks in, my only regret is that we didn't have him, like, two years ago. And, like, some of that's on him, some of that – is on the Lakers just because, I mean, you know, I guess they had a shot at him. I guess, like, every team maybe theoretically did. But, like, the way he's playing now, and that's another thing. I don't want to go, like, the whole, wow, it's crazy that Carmelo's played. Like, yeah, Portland's had him in between that time. Like, you know, he's played. Like, you know, it's crazy. But, like, at the same time, it's yeah. not as if we just picked him up off the scrap heap, you know, let's say 2019. But um, with that being said, he has just been electric in the table center. Um, Outside of a few games here and there, has been a consistent sort of offense for them. And, and, and probably uh, – more so than he was expected to have to manage considering the town on the roster uh injuries aside so looking at Carmelo and what he brings on the offensive end what have you liked um I mean just firing shooting and everything but just his impact on this team
0: yeah he's been uh, he's been a way more important piece than I was hoping he was going to (laughs) be like I I really hoped that he was going to play a pretty similar role to Portland where it's come off the bench play play a, a a, a solid stretch of minutes, hit some threes, you know, figure something out defensively. I'm not going to expect too much of him defensively. But through the first 13 games, it's been like, hey, if Melo's not scoring, we're not really winning. Like, <laughs> the only exception to that is the Miami Heat game when Malik Monk had 27. Like, it's been it's been a lot of Melo. And I don't, like, this is not disrespect to Melo. I'm very glad he's doing this, and I love having him on this roster. It's a lot of fun. I've been... Uh, I, I went to a Laker game earlier this year, and I'm going again on Monday. Like when when Melo's in in the building, Staples Center's rocking, and it's a lot yes. of fun. Yes, yes. But but and again, no disrespect. I don't want him playing this big of a role. Like when <laughs> when April and May, when the playoffs come around, I do not want to rely on Carmelo Anthony scoring 22 points in order for the Lakers to have a chance. Like. Something, something in the offensive attack of this team needs to change so that Melo is relied on just as a, as a fallback option and a good spot up shooter, not as a your go to option offensively. That, that needs to change because not that it's unsustainable, but as we've seen in the first thirteen games, it's not consistent. It's not going to be the same every game. If he was putting up twenty five a game, that'd be awesome, right? But of course. if it's 25-1 game on 7 of 10 shooting, and then the next game it's 4 points on 1 of 14. And I just yeah. – I can't rely on that when you're trying to win games in the playoffs.
1: No, absolutely. You have absolutely right on that. And I, I completely agree. I think that were it – like you said a couple of years ago where you have a consistent performance, even when he first, – the first year with Portland, yeah, he had a rough start. I think the first eight games were so rough. Once he settled in, like you were getting consistent performance production from him and even then it wasn't to the degree of what you're getting now um i think he's definitely outperforming that but the problem is you definitely can't you know you definitely can't hold um like i i you can't mark you can't what's the saying i'm looking for you can't like put a calendar to it or whatever the case may be like it's not going to happen all the
0: time yeah yeah i get what you mean
1: so that that that's interesting in terms of um how he is has been able to not only be that shot in the arm the Lakers need like you said especially at home like the crowd loves him they all want him to shoot it doesn't it doesn't hurt that he is like shooting like 94 for the field in LA (laughs) yeah
0: like that's the thing he's so good at staples and then you put him on any other NBA court and it's like okay yeah I I forgot how to shoot a basketball like I don't even know it's it's really difficult to watch and like Again, I want him to be consistent. I want him to be a guy that the Lakers can turn to. But at this rate, I just, like, it would feel very, like, I would get a knot in my stomach if it's April and we're playing in the first round. And it's like, all right, well, Melo's got to score 23 tonight for us to win. Like, I just... I don't wanna I don't wanna deal with that.
1: <laughs> no, definitely right there with you. Um, any other surprises, good or bad, you've seen from this Lakers team on the offensive side of the ball? I mean, we've had a couple of Malik Monk show out games and as a recording, they're about to play the Spurs, so maybe he goes off against them again. Um but uh Austin Reeves, any other guys you wanna kinda of make note of here um before we go to the defensive side for the Lakers?
0: Uh, you know, it's I'm actually the the one thing the one thing I have left to say is, and it's a guy who hasn't played yet. I really am excited for Kendrick Nunn in this offense. Uh, very, very excited, just not only because it means no more Rondo minutes, which is a, a positive right there, yeah. but it, it's just it's another guy who. And Kendrick Nunn is not this like cure all; he's going to fix everything. Mm-hmm. He's he's a really solid scorer. He can get downhill. He can shoot the three. He has a little bit of passing prowess. He's not you know the greatest passer, but he he can distribute. Um, I'm very excited to see him running second units. I'm very excited to see what he looks like alongside LeBron, alongside Anthony Davis, even alongside Russell Westbrook. I think that could be an interesting pairing because neither of them them are great on defense, but they're not so horrible that it's like it'll ruin your life if they play next to each other. So I'm just very excited to see Kendrick Nunn in this offense.
1: Yeah, that is going to be someone that's going to be a jolt. Um, Like you said, someone who can be serviceable on the defensive end. I mean, he played minutes in Miami. You know that if you don't play defense in Miami, you don't really play um, yep. regardless. So that is something to be said for that. And then also you have a guy who, you know, serviceable, I would say more than serviceable on the offensive end. A solid shooter. Uh, And it's someone that, I mean, you need another weapon for this Lakers squad. I think offensive, like you said, is a lot less uh, cohesive in terms of how they uh, try to score the basketball. A lot of your turn, my turn. If you're going to do that way, I I don't think that's a great idea. It seems that you agree with me there. But if you are going to do it that way, then I guess have some better offensive options to take care of that, you know?
0: Like having Kendrick Nunn would make that that easier if you're going to try that your turn, my turn thing.
1: Exactly, exactly. So that's something I'm looking at for sure that I'm hopeful for. Um, But transitioning to the defensive side of the ball, where it's been also equally as brutal at times, sometimes engaged, sometimes just all over the place, look at Exhibit A, Exhibit B, the Thunder games. But um, what have we kind of looked at together or what have you kind of taken away from the Lakers defense outside of, I guess we got to start with DeAndre Jordan, because I've just been very irked by having him uh, starting. (laughs) And we've talked about why he has to, but it still doesn't change the fact that I hate it.
0: Yeah. Look, um, weirdly, uh, you said this. You said the numbers earlier. The Lakers have a, a better, like, they're a better ranked defense than offense. Which, like, you know, I'm all for advanced analytics. I'm very big on analytics. But that right there is the number one thing. Like, this is why you can't only rely on analytics, because if you watch a Lakers game, they are so much worse on defense than they are on offense. Like,
1: yeah, the eye it, test says something totally different.
0: Yeah, like, it's crazy that they're a better-ranked defense than offense because defensively, like, it's hard to watch sometimes. Like, it's it's really difficult. They they really it, – sometimes it feels like a lack of effort, and then sometimes it feels like they just don't have the people, they don't have the players required to stop an NBA offense from scoring points. And it's, <laughs> it can get really difficult to watch at times. This is especially true true with DeAndre Jordan – with the the Russell Westbrook, Rajon Rondo lineups like this is it, it's pretty bad like some of the stuff that we have to we have to watch defensively and I'm not saying it's you know it's doomed they're never going to be a decent defense this is going to be horrible all year but it's you know Frank Vogel has his work cut out for him uh, and he's a defensive minded guy he's one of the better defensive coaches in the league um this is this is his biggest test in his career and I'm very interested to see how he goes about it over the next few months
1: True. More so than anything else, I feel worse for Frank Vogel on the defensive side of the ball as a coach of this team. Because you can be clear, offensively, like, yeah, I don't think Vogel's the most inspired offensive coach, and that's why I'm not, like, I don't feel too bad for him in terms of him not making smart decisions. Like, I'm a lot more apt to place blame on him for being slow to adjust with the lineups of the offensive end. Because, okay, fine, like, you have to figure that out. Defensively, though, you can see quite clearly, this is not a Frank Vogel team. You know, like, this is a team that's not even pretending to be a Frank Vogel team. And that's honestly where Frank Vogel's strengths lie, on the defensive side of the ball. And so, it it's kind of frustrating uh, for me understanding that he has to make a lot of concessions that he wouldn't like to make, uh, because of the talent, or lack thereof, it appears on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I guess, any and this is a question I'm about to kind of bounce back to you, but any team right now, at this stage of their career, that has to employ Russell Westbrook and DeAndre Jordan, you know, to take a point of attack and protect the rim, that's not going to be a very good defense, uh, much less, you know, you're surrounding them by, by players, like you said, um, that are, you know, not maybe built to play as many heavy minutes as they are doing. You have to have Carmelo out there at times just because of what he brings to the offensive side of the ball, and he's actually not been too bad, I don't think, on the defensive side, but still, like, Good teams have and will attack him. Um, you yeah. know, other guys who Malik Monk and others who are not the most uh defensive minded players in the world having to log heavier minutes on that defensive side. And I think we've seen that rear its ugly head when it comes to the the the, the leads that the Lakers have given up. And yeah, a lot of that offensively turnovers and such, but defensively, we've seen that they haven't had uh the right personnel there. And this is where I wish. It's it's weird. Uh, first, let me let me try to tackle this like one angle at a time. Looking at Russell Westbrook, I'm way too close on this, but like, what have you thought about his defense? Because what I have seen, I haven't been very encouraged by, um, and it just seems like there's a lack of effort there. But I guess that could spell like Russell Westbrook's defensive career.
0: Yeah, Russell Westbrook is not known as like a hard nosed defender. He's very much like. I'm going to go get this steal or this block and I'm just going to like pray that the ball ends up in my hands. Um, That's kind of been his defensive strategy basically since his OKC days. Um, So that's like, that's very difficult, but that's the thing about Russ is he's not really going to change that. So you, you have to, as a defense, you now need to adjust around that because you know, he's not changing. Um, And, and one of the issues is it goes back to DeAndre Jordan and, and Rajon Rondo, like, these guys are not good enough defenders to be able to adjust to Russell Westbrook's defensive mindset. Um, so that, that's that's kind of a big issue there. Um, do I think Russell Westbrook, you know, should he stop gambling so much? Uh, yeah, of course. But like that's that's just who he is, and you know, we're we're twelve years into the Russell Westbrook experience uh, as a player, mm-hmm. and he hasn't changed once. So that. I'm not expecting that this is the year he magically changes.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I agree. I just – I think it's unfortunate, again, because you're right. Like, he has to log minutes. You know, you don't bring a guy like that and sit him on the bench. Although I have, like, some of the moves I feel like Vogel has done late-game situations – um and, and and maybe adjusting better around him or in some cases maybe moving him out you know maybe running the bench lines more when Russ has not been on the court I've seen that a few times where I'm like okay that's kind of cool um riding the wave of what works but at the same time there's only so much you can do uh before you do have to you know have a guy like Russ out there um yeah. and and then going to Jordan I feel like the same thing like he's not I don't know how much of it is just him being at a, at a age where as a big man with the athletic type of ability that he provides you know waning a little bit how much is is for that and how much is just him not giving a, a legitimate effort all the time like like we talked about before he rotates once he'll jump once for a block and then it's like when you're playing 2k and you have that meter and you've basically used almost all of it but you got one last burst which you waste on speed and then you're just sitting there basically useless like that's yeah. what jordan looks like to me and credit to um, Vogel for not playing him much more than, like, the obligatory, you know, 12-minute stint or whatever. But still, it's damaging even in that.
0: Yeah. Look, I I really – I'm. this is why I'm, like, praying that they get healthy soon because them getting healthy is the quickest route to, like, no more DeAndre Jordan minutes. I think, based on the quotes that I've seen from Frank Vogel, I mm-hmm. think he knows that too because he has said – He's basically said what we've been saying here, which is like, hey, I'm I'm out of options. I kind of have to start DeAndre, which mm. basically tells you that he knows DeAndre cannot play and and he shouldn't be playing. So that's where I'm kind of like praying for health. Also, uh, Talon Horton Tucker, who I believe is uh, coming back today or tomorrow, um, he was a guy that the Lakers basically said at the beginning of the season, this is going to be our you go guard the opposing team's best guard, yeah. like you. You go defend the opposing team's best, you know, combo, you know, one or two. So he's coming back today or tomorrow. I'm interested to see what the defense looks like with looks like with him. Obviously, there's some wonky fit with him and Westbrook uh, because they're both kind of ball dominant drive to the rim type guys. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think defensively, he has a chance to not not completely overhaul the defense, but Give it a bit of a different look. And now Frank Vogel can say, oh, my God, I finally have someone who I trust defensively who I can throw out there and it won't it won't bite me. He may not look perfect all the time, but it won't be like completely detrimental to what we're trying to do.
1: Okay, no, that makes a a lot of sense in terms of being able to have that health, which, again, is a big part of this Lakers team, put players more in their proper roles. I'm glad at least that Vogel's at readily admitting that or going out and being more upfront about that because it has been a glaring issue for the Lakers on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Yeah, it's, it's been tough, and I, I think improvement is coming because defense is one of those things. It's Defense, yes, it, it's a talent thing. If you're not a good defender, you're you're just not a good defender. But defense is one of those things that, can improve very easily over time as players get used to playing next to each other. Mm -hmm. So let's take a guy like Malik Monk. He's not a very good defender, but if he learns Russell Westbrook's tendencies or if he learns Taylor Horton Tucker's tendencies or Trevor Ariza, he can start to say, you know what? I may not be a great defender, but I just know if I do these two or three things, I can complement those guys well. Exactly. Okay.
1: Just fitting more in that team mindset and how you can lend yourself to that. No, it makes a ton of sense. Um, and that is the hope for sure. Um, this was one, uh, well, let me get one more thing. Any other like overarching, uh, defensive thoughts you've had about this Lakers roster as we sit, what, four weeks in the season now going to week five?
0: Uh, no, I mean, I, I think we've, we've covered the bases defensively. It's just one of those things that needs time and needs, needs health.
1: That, that is, there it is time and health. Time and health. I'm gonna add another one. Hope.
0: <laughs> just pray. Just a little bit of prayer. Just,
1: just a little bit of prayer. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I wanted to have this segment more on its own. That's why I didn't bring it up too much on the offensive, and I did broach it a little more on the defensive side of the ball. But Russell Westbrook. Just, just Russell Westbrook. Um, we've seen some great games. We've seen some horrific games. We've seen both in the same game. Uh, in general. I, I I remember your thoughts kind of going in on the addition of Russell. Where are you now on just what you've watched
0: uh, in its entirety? Yeah, I mean this. It's I'm, <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not declaring the Russell Westbrook experiment a failure by any stretch. But, um, <laughs> I'm just saying, like it's it's going to take time, and I, I said at the beginning that this was going to take time, and this was yeah. going to look really ugly at first. Um, but yeah, it, it's it has been ugly at times. Like it has been really really bad at times but also like against Miami he was incredible like he yes. he put the team on his back in the fourth quarter and like th- this is this is Russell Westbrook it's like everything that you you know about Russell Westbrook he do- he proves you right every night this is just who he is he is he can be your best player and he can be your worst player and it's it's so he's honestly like he's honestly a fascinating player to watch on a nightly <laughs> basis I've never gotten a chance to really watch him every single game until now. Um, he's just a fascinating player to watch. Do I think this is, this is dead and the Lakers are dead and they're not going to win the championship? No, I think this is still a championship caliber team, but things need to change. And I think Russell Westbrook just getting more time with Anthony Davis, with LeBron James, with, you know, all of the other, you know, defensive pieces, Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, With all of those guys, I think if he's just playing more alongside them, we're going to see, you know, his usual thing. This is what he does every year in like January or February. He's going to flip a switch and be like the best player in the league for like three months. And I'm just I'm I'm waiting for that, Russell Westbrook, because I I know it's there and I know it's coming.
1: So for now, is this just a case of let Russ be Russ and, and just kind of work out the kinks along the way?
0: Yeah, let let Russ be Russ now, because if if Russ is being Russ and he's He's doing these amazing things, and then he's also turning the ball over. You Mm -hmm. can survive that in November, December. You can figure that out. And also, if you let him be Russ, it gives LeBron and Anthony Davis more time to figure out how to gel around that. And I think that's going to be a really, really important key for them.
1: Definitely, definitely. Makes a lot of sense there for sure. I've been – uh, on both sides of that argument in terms of, one, letting him just be himself. We've seen this. I mean, I've been a big Russell Westbrook fan for a couple of years now, so I especially have watched this in Washington, watched this in Houston, watched this in the latter, latter years in Oklahoma City, where something switches, specifically over the last two teams he's been on, just because it has been an extra adjustment for him, but where he just sets the court on fire. And you're right, a lot of that has happened to go through these rough patches, uh, patches that have only become a a little worse because he has declined a little bit athletically and his jump shot has further diminished. And so, you know, even then he was always inefficient, but now like, it's just not the same, you know, that that mid-range jumper that he loved to go to to, during his career, like he's shooting it as if it's still that efficient mid-range shot when it it isn't and hasn't been for a couple of years now, but like more so than ever now, you know, that cotton shot, he calls it.
0: Yeah. He, One thing, one thing that needs, like, if I'm gonna change one thing about Russell Westbrook, it's not the, it's not the mindset, it's not the gambling on defense, it's recognizing the situation. Like, you don't need to shoot a three if there's 22 seconds left on the shot clock. Like, you're not, you're not that guy. There you go. You're not that guy. I think think deep down he knows he's not that guy, but I think there's just something in him that says you can make this. Just shoot this, Mm -hmm. and. I really – I want him to refrain from shooting three-pointers and deep twos until there's like four seconds left on the shot clock and there's no other option. That makes sense,
1: where it's the only choice left and not – he'll go to that if he makes two shots in a row. And they don't have to be even jump shots. they can be two layups.
0: Yeah, like if he makes two layups in a row, a three is coming and it's going to miss and it's going to be the loudest brick you've ever heard.
1: Yes, and Lord help us if he's making those shots toward the
0: end of the game because he's going to take the last shot, and it's going to be a three because reasons, right? Well, that's that's exactly what happened against Miami, and I, I loved the way he played against Miami. But he Me too. he had uh, he had that that shot to take the lead. Uh, he had back-to-back shots to take the lead, the, the jumper and then the turnaround fadeaway in the paint. And so what did he do? Well, the Lakers had the last shot, so he dribbled for 15 seconds and took a contested three at the buzzer. Because that's yeah. just that's that's who Russell Westbrook is, and uh, he was great us. that game. But that's just kind of a microcosm of what he is as a player.
1: Mm-hmm. And he takes the why not to its absolute fullest extent.
0: Yeah, li- literally, like why not shoot this thirty footer? I-, I won't make it, but why not?
1: Why not? Exactly. And it's like, wow. Like, just the mindset of it. On the one hand, you love a guy who has confidence in himself in that way, especially a guy with the ability that Westbrook has. Because when it does pay off, it's amazing. You know what I mean? When he is on one, like – scoring at will, you know, timing his lobs up perfectly and everything, it works amazing. When he's out of focus, you know, yelling at, at the bench after hitting a three down 20, you know, stuff like that. Um, You know, running, w- going, getting caught in the air without having really an idea of what he's going to do, Um, which can be spectacular, but mostly is a turnover. Things like that when he's playing out of himself. You can also see, and I've noticed it more and more, but like, it deflates the Lakers a little bit.
0: Yeah, and it, it can be this is uh, Russell Westbrook had this problem with with Houston. He had this problem with with Washington. He can he can carry your team to a height that they've never been to before. He can also deflate your team to a low they've never been to before. And so the Lakers, the way to adjust around that is you you kind of have to see what type of Russell Westbrook game it's going to be, and you you have to not be afraid to like take the ball out of his hands when it's getting ugly. I think. You have to kind of like if you're if you're Anthony Davis and you see that Russell Westbrook's kind of, you know, putting up those lazy jumpers that he likes, you got to say, no, no, no. Give me the ball. This is now it's my possession. Now I'm taking over.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah, I think that's exactly what needs to happen, because like it's, it's 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 not. And I get it right now because there isn't really a whole lot of other bodies like you brought out that can take over, soak up that usage, Um, you know, in terms of being one of the main ball handlers and everything. Bad enough, I think we had, what, the game against Miami where you had um, Avery Bradley take turn. Like, he was basically the backup point guard.
0: Yeah. And, and that had St. Davis do it for sets. Avery Bradley. I mean, look, I, I like Avery Bradley, but he, guy, was, yeah. he was waived by the Warriors. He didn't even make the opening night roster, like, and yet he's starting for the Lakers right now. So this, <laughs> It's kind of an issue. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I mean, I will say this. It's funny that, like, that
1: battle for the Warriors went down between Gary Payton and Bradley and then made the right decision, in my opinion. Like, it's not a knock on Bradley, who at this point is closer to the outer echelon of the NBA than in. I just think it's hilarious that the Warriors probably wouldn't have been bad with either of those guys, but made the absolute greatest call in terms of keeping Payton. And then Bradley comes to us, and like you said, he's playing, like, closing minutes, and he's starting games for us. And in some cases, I like it because he, especially when he first came in that first game against, I think it was the Warriors, where he came in and kind of helped them feel the mini run. He still has that chemistry with um Anthony Davis from that championship season. You know, they, they, he's he's a little bit of uh he's like a semblance of what is that? continuity
0: on a Lakers team that is full of anything but. Yeah, and he and he's still even though he's lost a step for sure. Oh, he's still a, he's still a very solid defender. I still trust him on defense. But I just don't it's, – it's similar to Melo where, like, I don't want to look down the road a couple months and still be relying on him to do what he's doing today.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. If you're doing that, there there's an issue to be sure. I 100% agree with you there. Um, and I wonder when everyone does get healthy, if Bradley still in this roster or the Lakers is going to try to keep that 15 spot open for a bio guy. I tend to lean toward the latter, but what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I think I think when tht Nunn, and Areza are back, I do think I don't know if Aver Bradley gets gets the boot right there and then, but I think he's not going to make it to the guarantee date of his contract, which I believe is in mid-January. Um I don't think he makes it there just because they the Lakers love the flexibility of getting the buyout guy. Um Kevin Love is a buyout candidate and I know I just know deep down in my soul that the Lakers would love to have <laughs> Kevin Love on their roster, so oh, I just, absolutely so I feel like you know if that's even an option if 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 the if the Cleveland Cavaliers are giving any indication that they'll buy out Kevin Love, Lakers will say, sorry, Avery, we'll see you later, but we want Kevin
1: exactly it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be that one um that one meme where the guy looks behind and is looking at the new shiny object kind of thing, even <laughs> if that shiny object isn't exactly as new because. It's not shiny, it's Kevin Love. It's, <laughs> it's <not laughs> there you go. No, I'm right there with you, man. I, I'm i laughing because I'm already imagining, one, we'd have, we'd have to have you on to break that down, but like I'm already like internally laughing as I try yet again to make my brain convince myself that this indeed is a helpful move for the Lakers. It'd yeah. be like last year with uh, with um, Andre Drummond all over again.
0: Yeah, literally. I, I don't think it would be quite as bad as Andre Drummond because Kevin Love... He has experience playing with with LeBron. Like there's there's familiarity there. There's chemistry there. He's he's, you know, a talented player. Mm-hmm. Andre Drummond, like I, I did not love the move when it happened. No, uh, no. Kevin Love, I feel like and again, maybe this is just bias and I'm being crazy. I feel like I could talk myself into Kevin Love more than Andre Drummond.
1: No, no, no. I I agree with you on that. I mean, like you said, he's someone who can space the floor instantly. That's so much better. You know, he could do some of the rebounding. uh, Let AD play the five if in name only. You know what I mean? With that, I wouldn't like the love AD lineups. But, like, there's something there that I could see uh, working itself out where he brings value on the court next to LeBron, next to AD, in a way that Andre Drummond absolutely did not. Um, And I think he'd also be more open to, yeah, I'm not going to be a starter considering that I was, you know, wasting away in Cleveland in a way that Drummond didn't when he was all but promised at starting five, even though we had starting five. By, by the way, let me pour one out. Not that he'd be like a major help, but I really miss Marc Gasol.
0: I Yeah, it's tough because I, I don't think he would help this team very much. No, I don't know. I agree. Ma- mainly because of the pace they play at. The Lakers I think are top three in pace right now in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Marc Gasol would just simply not be able to do that, and it's no like I love Marcus All. Man, yeah. he would not be able to do that. He would struggle.
1: There's no knock on him. I, I, I agree 100%. I mean, I just like him for being like maybe or, or, or would like the idea of him being like a trailer three, you know, someone who can give the ball and kind of eke some offense out of that's not Russell Westbrook all the time, you know, from yeah. unexpected area, especially when. Let's face it, Lakers, when they went into this big man rotation, they were trying to recreate that 2020 um, season with, you know, guys who can finish above the rim, um, guys who can, you know, stand and protect the paint. But the problem is the guys they got are A, in Dwight Howard, older than they were when they did this, or B, in DeAndre Jordan, just older and not the same guy. Like, you're not getting – you have that archetype, but you have, like, an older, outdated version of the archetype. And so that's why you're getting uh, less of the success than you would. In my mind, have if you had like a different look, but I 100% agree with you. He he would definitely be taking the rear end in in quite a few uh, possessions. But but how many times have we seen Russell Westbrook get into the teeth of the defense, jump in the air, get caught, and throw the ball back out, usually to a turnover? Like we'd have Gasol there, you
0: know? Yeah that 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 is a good point, and DeAndre Jordan <laughs> will will never be there to catch that errant Russell Westbrook pass. Uh all Marc Marcus Gasol would be there. But yeah, it's it's just tough to me when I watch the way they run and the pace that they play at. It's hard to envision where Marcus all like where he is on the court, <laughs> especially on yeah. defense. It, it really, I really struggle to see where he he fits. But again, DeAndre Jordan isn't any better. So between those two, I'd probably take Mark.
1: Hey, I'm with you on there. See, at least I. Got a little victory here. Shout out to Marco. I will every time I have you, on, I'm gonna try to bring him up until it's obvious that it doesn't work. Um, <laughs> this guy was so heartbroken by that. I was just, oh, I was so irked. But anyway, yeah. um,
0: one of the true Arkansas supporters.
1: Yes, there you go. We we had it. We had that line. We did. But um, any <laughs> last thoughts, Ron, for the Lakers? Uh, before I let you go here, man.
0: Yeah, my final thought would be, and I I I've been saying this all offseason and all through the first 13 games. If they look this bad by Christmas, I will be really worried. Right now, I still think it's too early to be worried. Um, if they look this bad on Christmas, I will be worried. And then we can talk again about how worried I am. But right. I do think I'm willing to give them about two months to, to really figure this out. That once you said
1: Christmas, I was like, you know, we're going to have a post-Christmas stay uh, of the Lakers, right?
0: Yeah, and, and hopefully that's, uh, you know, they've they just beaten, the, I think they play Brooklyn on Christmas. They so do. They play- I think if you know they're coming off a win or a close loss to Brooklyn and they're they're winning some games, I'll feel pretty good.
1: Okay. Okay, I'm I'll hope that's the case as well. Um either like you said, they win against Brooklyn or have some close game uh, close game against them after having shown improvement over the last like 8 or 9 games, that would be really big uh for my own personal confidence for them, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see this Lakers team will sure give us uh, plenty more surprises as we go into this wacky season that uh, definitely entails to be interesting. I didn't say fun, but I did say
0: interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting is the right word.
1: Man, thanks again for hopping on here, Ron. I do appreciate you, man. Let the people know where they can find you and, and the work that you do, because you are all over the place here.
0: Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter at rongutterman24, uh, Lakers Nation, Angels Nation. I do a little bit of work. It's football season, so I do a little bit of work for Raiders Newswire and Rams Newswire. So look all those up, and, and you'll find me.
1: Dang, that's a lot. Check them out there, y'all, uh, for sure. And for myself, you know, you can find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Uh, Hoopball on Twitter at online, hoop-ball.com. Uh, got a good, fun week ahead for y'all, for sure. I'm definitely going to do our power rankings as well as having, hopefully, some more um, fun basketball conversations. You know, maybe get some guests. We're going to talk about the season. We're, we're, we're really picking up our stride here. And after a rough start on the tech front, I am back and happy to be here. So definitely make sure to rock with your boy here. Uh, Again, y'all, thanks for listening. Any support, rate, review, that would be great. Definitely would love a five-star. But if not, just tell me how you feel. I would appreciate the feedback. Aside from that, y'all, though, for Ron, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow.